Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. So this satsang, what I wanted to think and talk about is where it is we get caught up often in little things that take our pleasure and they take our happiness and eventually if we leave them untreated they can take our well-being and they can definitely undermine relationships. And so what I'm talking about is the little annoyances of life and things that are just a pain in the butt. And we all have our own little pet hates. And I guess it's part of our personality in one way. But on another level, these pet hates can turn into laws that we live by. That if you do this, this way, you're a good person. If you do this, this way, you're a bad person. When actually it's got nothing to do with that. It's just a case of whether or not you like it done this way or you like it done another way. And you get very antsy and picky about it if it's done the wrong way because it's not your way and therefore you think it's wrong and you get very shitty about it. So this is a very human thing that happens, but we're on a path of consciousness. And so it seems to me that sooner or later we have to look at our choices in the small things, because as I said, it's often in the small things that we lose it vibrationally speaking. Many of us are actually quite good now in the big things. When there's some great sort of trauma going on or some huge disaster, I know many people are very good in a crisis. They're able to hold everyone else. They're strong. They're really able to focus. They're able to think their way through it and organize things and some big, huge calamities going on. And they're totally calm and totally just so incredibly strong and people love it. You know, they just like having a leader like that or they like being that kind of leader, but it feels good. Like it feels not too hard to do actually. It's like when the going get tough, the tough get going kind of thing that we've been raised to do that. Some of us, some have, some haven't. But there's another whole echelon of things and they're the little things. For instance, you know, the classic example of Whenever you find yourself saying it shouldn't be like that, it shouldn't be like that and getting hot under the collar about it or the house is often a good place and given that we're all in COVID captivity, you may be seeing these little things more than you normally do of things that are going on around you that push your buttons and they're little things. It can be like how does somebody do their washing up or how do they peg things on the line or How do they stack the dishwasher? Anyway, you can insert a gazillion. How did they iron that? How could you think of ironing it like that? That is so stupid. And you get very narky about it. So these are things that I want people to start looking at because I feel that we're imprisoned by our own consciousness. And, in fact, that's what the Kabbalistic teachings say, that's what the Vedic teachings say, is that we're prisoners of our own consciousness and we don't actually recognise that, in fact, um, we're making the whole thing up the whole time and how things are 
is really a lot to do with our state of consciousness. To become spiritually empowered and a happier person, then I think we're going to need to look at the small things and look at our responses to them. And I was speaking with a group recently about how it is that we can have an analytical mind that has a critical faculty and we can know with our analytical mind that's not good or that's not good. But we're able to do that at a vibration of love, compassion, or at least neutrality, like a judge in a perfect world, a judge in a courtroom is neutral to both parties. He's not partisan. He's neutral uh, or she's neutral and therefore able to really see what's going on and dispassionately give a sort of a judgment. Well, we're not judges in our homes. We're living with other people and we're not meant to play the role of judge. But we can have a critical faculty that says, oh, it would be more optimal if this was done this way. So we can share that it would be more optimal if things were done a different way (laughs) as a critical parent type person, or we can do it lovingly. But if we do it lovingly, the person is not going to feel resentful about being told off about how they're doing something wrong. There can be a suggestion made that, oh, you know what, it might work better if we do it this way. There'll be a loving feeling in that. There won't be a negative charge that someone else is going to actually resent or resist. So if you're seeing other people resent or resist what you're trying to change, like you're trying to point out that this should be done in a different way and you're getting resistance, chances are you're coming at it with a very attached energy and probably a very critical, judgmental, blaming, shaming energy. And people will just tell you to sod off because you're being a pain in the butt. People don't need that, and particularly right at the moment. I was reading an article the other day in the paper, and some expert on relationships was giving a thing about how to survive COVID captivity, and they were saying that the worst thing you can do right now is be really critical about everything that is going on in your home because people are under stress. They're not able to go and do the normal things that they would do to unwind and they're not able to have the downtime. They're often not able to have the um, time alone that they need. And so being really critical at this time is not good. So does anyone relate to this? Any hands going up about feeling that this is a good thing for us to be looking at or working on? Because if we could crack even just one thing that's annoyed us to make it not annoy us, then we're going to be a happier person. But you know what? So are all the people around us because everyone's going, oh, God, they're at it again. They're on about that again. Like when are they just going to leave it alone? When are they going to learn that it's really all events are neutral? Every event is neutral. It's only our consciousness that assigns goodness or badness to it. And sometimes, you know, (laughs) I'm talking straight at you, am I, Joe Saraswati? I think a few other people might think I'm talking straight at them too. (laughs) But a lot of our decisions about is this okay to do it this way or is it not okay to do it this way have come from childhood or have somehow been inculcated into us that we have somehow picked up that if we do it this way, we're a good girl or a good boy. And if we do it this other way, we're a bad girl or a bad boy. And we don't want to be a bad girl or boy. So we have to do it this way. And if it's not done that way, I'm going to get very stressed. 
and I'm going to tell you how bad you are that you're not doing it the way that I know is perfect. So this raises a whole plethora of issues, of course, because I like to think about anything you can do as that there's a thousand ways to spice a casserole. And what's that old saying? Too many cooks spoil the broth. And truly, one of the most chaotic things you can have is a project that does not have an assigned leader and people don't have assigned roles. And they basically all want to tell you exactly how it should be done and no one will agree to anything because they all think it should be done this way. And there are 50 ways you could do almost anything. Your way is not the perfect way. Your way is your way. And so if we allow ourselves to be pulled down into it has to be done like this or it's not good enough, we're going to be very miserable people. We're going to suffer a lot internally and that suffering will land on the people we love because they will have to bear the brunt of it. Then our relationships will be decidedly cool. People will not enjoy our company or want to talk to us. So there's a lot of upside to working on this stuff. So (laughs) it's kind of entertaining, don't you think? Because we're all going, oh, yeah, I so relate to this. (laughs) Because it is entertaining. It's part of being human that we have these issues. Anyway, so I'm reading this great book. And I was talking about this book to a group the other day. And it's called Apprentice to Power. And it's by Timothy Roderick. And Timothy Roderick, he has learned in the Wiccan tradition. And um, Wicca means wise. And it's an ancient tradition, and it was the tradition of spirituality in Europe prior to Christianity. And in fact, a lot of Wiccan celebrations and ceremonies and ideas were absorbed into Christianity in its early days. And so there's whole books written about how the origins of Christianity are quite pagan or Wiccan, but they're not exactly the same, but there's crossovers. Anyway, getting on with this. He was looking for spiritual empowerment. This man, Timothy, he was praying and he was doing his spiritual practices and he was cleaning himself up and he'd learned all the things for this and the things for that. And he'd learned all this stuff with his mind about how to be a good spiritual practitioner. But he hadn't had that breakthrough feeling of being one with the universe, one with all. And so he was feeling that he would have to go to you know, some huge long retreat and sequester himself away from the world and not have any distractions and all that so that he could find the divine. (laughs) And so this is what happened to him. He says, I wasn't doing anything special when it happened. I was simply standing in line at the grocery store waiting for my turn at the register. I stood behind a woman who thumbed through a magazine and who occasionally shushed her screaming infant who's been in that situation and who's had critical, nasty, vindictive thoughts at said woman who won't shut her screaming brat up. The man behind me smelled like rotten cigar smoke. Hmm, who's had that happen? Smelly person behind you in the supermarket line. And he was wheezing on my back. I was waiting for an eternity. It was not the most glorious moment. But it was then that it hit me. My normal vision changed. It seemed as though I was able to see from every part of my eyes. This gave an odd curved appearance to my environment. It looked as though everything, myself included, was part of a sphere. 
from that moment, I could see the interconnectedness of the people and things around me. This is it, I realised. This moment, this screaming, wheezing, smelly, frustrating, waiting and standing moment, this life, this is it. This is the moment of power. It was an earth-shattering, jaw-dropping, stomach-sinking insight, but it was the truth. And it is the truth that we can actually drop into the depth of self and feel the bliss anywhere at any time. But we have all these thoughts in the way of it usually. So anyway, I love this story because it's, um, it's just so real. You can sort of imagine it, can't you? Standing at the centre of that realisation, I felt like some lifelong primal tension had melted away from me. My defences dropped. Muscles that I never knew existed seemed to loosen. I felt tranquil as though I'd never felt real peace before. In that instant, I saw that there was nothing to hope for and nothing to fear. There was nothing that could make this moment more complete or whole or right. Right here is the sacred place. It wasn't Machu Picchu or Stonehenge or a sacred grove or somewhere else beside the line at the grocery store. It wasn't the parts of my life that I liked or that were pleasurable. I realised that sacredness is everywhere and is everything, whether I liked it or not. So I I realised then that I had the power. It wasn't about having authority in the world or gaining control. Power exists independent of these things and it's where I find the deity. It's where I find the divine. And then he goes on with a whole lot of other stuff and then he says... He talks about spiritually trained people as opposed to people who are in the general population. And he says, in ordinary thinking, power is about making and forcing or compelling your personal will on the world. And in ordinary life, power means that you have made someone do something or you've caused, you've caused something to happen. But what he learned was that if your idea of power is linked with what you can control, that your fall from power will be quick and hard. But he said power is actually your natural state of being. It's about finding your place within the vastness of nature, uniting with that vastness and then operating from that experience. So I bet you anything, he doesn't say in the book, but I bet you anything that when he had that divine experience in the shop, he was no longer at all bothered about the smelly man behind him or the screaming child in front of him or the woman who was doing nothing about it. I bet you anything, he just, well, he said he went into a deep peace. All the tension left his body and he felt that tension melted away and that his defences dropped and he felt tranquil like he'd never actually felt peace before this moment. And so this is a very fascinating thing. And I think that there are people who can be calm in our moments of having a hissy fit and there are some people who have hissy fits at times where we'd be fine about being calm because we're not attached to the outcome we're not you know we're not invested in is the casserole spiced this way or that way and we can be calm about it and then if we would like something done in a different way when it concerns me personally we can bring the our vision of how we'd like it to be this creative pleasurable thing to the table instead of just me, 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 whinge, whinge, whinge. Because whinging is tiresome 
and it causes people to back away from us and you wonder why people around you are a bit cool, don't interact with you very much. So people who act out of ordinary thinking get caught up in personally manufactured limitations, rigidity, opinions and preferences. They lose sight of what's actually going on all around them. If they see the grass needs mowing, they see a miserable, exasperating task that they hate to do. But, he said, spiritually trained people bypass all that and live in the moment with a flexible and neutral mind. And they're actually able to find the happiness in what is rather than having to force and control and whinge and carry on. So I like this book. I think this book is good, don't you? Wouldn't it be good to be able to call our spirit back from all the things that we've given our power to? Because that's what we're doing. If it has to be like this before I can be happy, and if I get upset and narky when it's not like that, I have a button that's being pressed and I've given my power to things having to be a certain way. And that is going to be uncomfortable, exhausting and draining. So let's take a leaf out of the book of this guy and others. Most of the spiritual masters you you meet are actually quite spacious people. They're able to appreciate that people have different styles of doing things and they're less critical. When they want something to change, they do it through inspiring people. And so let's just see if we can make a flip like that and also Notice when your buttons are getting pressed. Oh, it's my button. Oh, look at that. I've got a button there. I never saw that button before. It's my button. It's not the other person being a pain in the butt. It's my button. Oh, look at that. So this is an exciting way to see your world. You get to be curious and you get to practice having good humour. And being curious and having good humour will be a massive vibrational shift. Massive. And then you get to make a game out of it. Get your inner child involved, you know, get amused by the times that you would normally clench. It doesn't mean there isn't room for conversations about things. There there is room for conversations about things to put your point of view or to make a request of someone, but, but to do it at the right vibration. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com. Anima.